0: Okay, am I on? Yes, I'm on. Good morning, everyone. Uh, Please turn your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. It's right before 2 Peter. We'll find it. But we'll continue with our study of this epistle today as we go... Well, as we've been doing every so often, you know, when when I've been teaching here... Um, I must say, it's it's much different <laughs> standing here right now, you know, uh, uh, standing here to preach what, with everybody there, instead of like in the school hall, you know, where we have the stage and looking down. I actually like this much better. This is, this is really nice. <laughs> well, that's the info you didn't need. All right. <laughs> so we're in First Peter chapter 5. Now, um, in this epistle, Peter is giving some intensely practical advice to believers on how to live victorious life, a victorious Christian life, um, while they are still in this world. Now, by the grace of God, we'll do verses 1 to 5 today, and we'll see that in in this section, Peter is very specifically addressing pastors, all right, Um, especially in the first four verses, and he reminds them of their duty, which is to feed the flock of God, and he encourages them to continue in that duty, uh, that they have towards God and towards the flock. Now, we already know the historical background of this epistle because we've looked at it quite a few times up to now, you know, throughout, I want to say, the years that we've been going <laughs> through this epistle but it, because it, it has been years. And, but just in short, Peter was writing this epistle to believers that were going, undergoing some intense um, persecution, And as such, he's writing to encourage those believers and to tell them how they should behave throughout all of this persecution, how to handle it, and um, how to go through all of that. And we've already went through a lot of that now, but now you can imagine, in a time such as this, the Christian leaders would also need some special encouragement, you know. I mean, what should I do while my flock is undergoing persecution, you know, we're fearing for our lives and all of these things. What should I teach them? And so this is exactly what Peter does here. So let's start in verse 1. 1 Peter 5 and verse 1. The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. Neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being ensamples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. <laughs> now some of you may be wondering, okay, so we're talking about pastors. What does that have to do with me? You know, looking around this building, I see exactly one pastor, <laughs> right? <laughs> All right? So what does that have to do with me? I'm not a pastor. Um, now, I thought about this, and I prayed about this a lot, and, you know, my initial thought was that, well, this would be helpful uh, for us to go through uh, so that we can know what makes a good pastor, you know, and I think that's true. I definitely think that's true. You know, as we go through this, you will see some of the traits that make up a good pastor. It's part of this. Now, following this, this will also equip you then to be able to evaluate a pastor if you ever need to leave this church. You know, we've got many students in this church, and this is sort of something that's been happening over the years. You know, they finish their studies and they need to move on because they can't find a job here. They need to make a living somewhere else. And so they're looking for a church. So now they need to know, how do I evaluate a church? How do I evaluate the leadership of a church to know that this is a good church where I can join and um, be a blessing to others as well? Now, you will need to find that. And... It's not surprising that the Bible then gives us the answer for that. The the Bible has answer for all of these things, and that's part of what we're going to look at today. Um, Those are fine reasons, I believe, for what why we're looking at this today. But I think more so, uh, a better reason for all of us that are here right now, you know, that are part of a church right now, we're under a pastor right now. Why do we need to study this? Verse five, he says, "Likewise, ye younger." Submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you uh, be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. So, what I want to fo- uh, focus your attention on is submit yourselves unto the elder. That's the reason. That's why we need to learn this. We need to learn how to submit to our pastor, right? Now, all of us need to know that. I need to submit to my pastor. Now, in that statement, there's a built-in assumption, right? If I say, I need to submit to my pastor, what's the assumption there? Well, I have a pastor, <laughs> right? That's the assumption. It's, it's silly, but I need to call that out because we have so many Christians running around today without a pastor, right? Because they don't want a pastor, They don't want that. We've got tons of Christians and they would rather go to YouTube and they would uh, listen to sermons that they can find there rather than joining a church and having to submit to a pastor. They don't want that. What's the problem there? Well, it's called rebellion. That's what it is. It's rebellion against the order that God has put in place for the church. Now, These people may be listening to good preaching, you know, and they may get a blessing out of that. And I believe we can all get a blessing out of listening to some of these sermons. But they have no pastor. And they sort of romanticize this idea of these preachers that they're listening to, you know, and thinking, well, these men are the perfect pastors, you know, because they, man, these are some solid preachers. You know, that's kind of what you hear from people. These are solid preachers. And they may be, but they're not you pastor. They're not. They don't know you. They don't pray for you. They, they are not there for you when you need somebody to talk to. They can't help you when you've sinned and you need advice on how to make this right. They can't do that. They, they can't help to fill in any of the gaps that you might have in your knowledge of God or of His Word. They can't do that. They don't know what it is what you need to hear on a weekly basis. You basically, you're you're beholden to the YouTube machine. Whatever YouTube decides you're going to listen to, that's what you're listening to. These men can't do that because they are busy caring for the people that God has put um, or given them oversight of. That's why they can't do that. And they're not supposed to pastor you. They're supposed to pastor that flock that God has given to them, that part of the flock that God has given to them. Now, of course, I believe that those preachers are hoping that somebody can get a blessing out of this, but they aren't pastoring those people that are listening to them through the YouTube machine, all right? And, and I've thought about this many times, you know, and I don't think people are doing this, but I'm pretty sure, you know, those so-called solid preachers, if you would email them and ask, so what do you think about going to church? They will tell you, go get a church, go find a pastor, join a church, if they are true pastors, right? Right. Right. Now Peter starts off here in verse 1 by saying the following. He says, The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder, and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed, Feed the flock of God which is among you. Now, Peter calls them elders, all right? But we know from this text and from other texts in the New Testament that that has the exact same meaning as saying pastors, all right? That's, that's the same thing. We can see that in verse 2. He says that they are taking the oversight of that flock, all right? That's what a pastor does. He takes oversight of the flock. Um, we see that, that these elders are those that... Feed the flock in the beginning of verse two there. That's the responsibility of a pastor. And then Peter makes mention of this in verse four. If you come down to verse four, he says, When the chief shepherd shall appear, all right, calling Jesus the chief shepherd, what does that imply? Well, he has shepherds under him. Right? That's a pastor, all right? The under shepherd. Let's call him the under shepherd then. Alright? That's that's the shepherd. That's been given the responsibility of shepherding a flock or a part of God's flock that He has access to. When Paul talks about these men in 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 17, he specifically says that these are they who labour in the word and doctrine. All right. In Titus chapter 1, Paul mentions the specific qualifications for these elders or pastors. And that, you know, and how Titus should choose them, you know, to, and to ordain them so that they can lead the churches in different cities. And in there, in verse 7, we find another name for pastors, which is bishops, yes. right? Same thing, all right, once again. So, when we read about elders, all right, those are not necessarily the oldest people in the church, all right? <laughs> Keep that in mind, all right? The word elder refers to the office, not the man's age, all right? Those are the pastors. So, we have a specific exhortation from from Peter here towards the pastors. And he says there in verse 2, Feed the flock of God which is among you. That's it. That's the primary responsibility of a pastor. Alright? The primary responsibility is to feed the flock of God. And along with this exhortation or, or encouragement, if you want to call it that, Peter gives the reasons why he is qualified to actually give this exhortation to these elders. Firstly, he says that he is also an elder, right? So I think this helps me immensely today, all right? Because um, I'm not a pastor, so how can I exhort another pastor, All right. I don't know what the difficulties are that pastors go through. I don't know about all the tears. I don't know about all the long days, all the long nights. I don't know about all the strange things that people come up with, you know, and all the attacks and all of these things, all of these challenges and difficulties. I don't know what the temptations are for a pastor, all right? I've never been one. Now, sure, I can make some educated guesses, you know, on some of these things, but I I just can't encourage a pastor quite like another pastor can do that. Right now, that doesn't mean that you should not encourage your pastor. Please do that. Please encourage your pastor. All right, we should be doing that. But I mean, you know how it is. That's that's just there's just something different about having somebody encouraging you that either has been in the same place where you are now and going through the same things that you are going through now, or maybe yeah, doing that presently. You know, having somebody encourage you, somebody like that. It's just something different in that, you know, that, that they know what you are going through. And that's what Peter is doing. He says here, pastors, I exhort you to keep on feeding the flock through all of these difficulties that we have around us in life. You know, through all of the persecution, all of the challenges that the ministry brings. And I say that as somebody that he is a pastor too. That's, that's what Peter is saying here. He, he continues there. He says that he is a witness of the sufferings of Christ. Now, we know what that is, all right? Peter, Peter saw some of the sufferings that Jesus went through, all right? I, I think one instance that Peter probably carried with him throughout his entire life was, you know, um, when he denied Jesus three times before the cock growed, right? And you remember what happened? Is that he looked on over to Jesus and Jesus' eyes met him. There where Jesus was busy being mocked and, you know, slandered and things, his, their eyes met and Peter realized what he just did. The Bible tells us that he, he just ran out and he wept bitterly. What a moment, you know. I think that's something that, it's, that sticked with him. Now, it looks as if he was not there at the cross. You know, we read about John being there at the cross. So, but Peter was definitely aware of what was going on there. And he was also a witness of the fact that Jesus rose again from the dead. You remember that, right? We read about that. So... Coupled that with the fact with him being sent out by Jesus himself, along with his fellow apostles to declare the gospel unto every creature, this enabled him to to give his fellow elders, his fellow pastors, some valuable and accurate encouragement, you know, uh, in how they should go about performing their duties and the things that are their duties. And so lastly... Peter says there that he is also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Now this glory that shall be revealed points us to the return of Christ. right? That's the glory that's going to be revealed. That, that is when he comes back, he puts his full glory on display. He destroys his enemies and he starts to hand out rewards to his faithful children. Right? And he, he establishes his kingdom. And so Peter says that, Fellow elders, I'm a partaker with you in this, all right? I understand what you're going through. Let's look forward. Let's look towards that time. Okay, that's what we're pushing forward towards, right? To that time. And with that, he continues, as I've already pointed out in verse two. He says, "Feed the flock of God, which is among you." Let's turn to John chapter 15, oh, 21. Sorry, John 21. I cheated, I had a bookmark in there because I knew I'm going to need some refilling. This is after Jesus rose from the dead. John 21. (coughs) And verse 15. i just going to wait for the pages to calm down. All right, John 21, verse 15. So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith to him again, the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he he said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Three times Peter denied Jesus while he was going through his sufferings and before he was crucified. And so three times Jesus asked him if he loves him. And Peter did, he really did. And, and, and he took to heart what Jesus told him. And, and I wonder, you know, you can come back to 1 Peter 5, but I, I wonder when Peter wrote this, feed the, feed the flock of God, if, if he had those words of Jesus echoing in his mind, you know, feed my lambs, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. So now he's giving the same exhortation to all, of, all pastors. Feed the flock of God which is among you. And that is what a pastor should be busy with. Now, there are a few things to notice here about the flock, if you read this carefully. Firstly, this is not the pastor's own flock. You see that? um, He says, feed the flock of who? God. God. Mm -hmm. Feed the flock of God which is among you. It's God's flock. It's God's flock. Now, remember that God has only one flock. All right? The Bible calls this flock the body of Christ. And also the bride of Christ. All right? it, has, it is made up of every single person all right, that is saved. Every single one of them are part of God's flock. And this flock is very precious to the Lord. Uh, so precious be, because he bought all of them, every single one of them, with his own precious blood. And now he's entrusting this flock to pastors, to men. So that they can feed the flock and so that they can, as Peter says here, take oversight of them. Now I'm not sure we always think about it this way, but folks, pastors are a gift to the church. They're a gift. We read there in Ephesians 4 verse 11, how the Lord gifted certain men to be pastors. And he did that, Paul writes there in verse 12, I'm just going to read it for you. He says, for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. That's why pastors are given, all right? It's to build us up. It's to build us up so that we can be transformed into the image of Christ, all right? In verse 13, he continues, he says, Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. Unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's a pastor's duty, is to tell me, who is this Jesus? God cares for His flock. And so He he made a special provision for His flock by giving them pastors, or so-called under-shepherds, All right, with Christ being the chief shepherd. And they are to feed the part of the flock that God has given to them. Right? So, if you can imagine this, we've got the flock of God. All right, that's the body of Christ. And now we divide that into pieces, and we say, "Okay, this piece goes to that man. That piece goes to that man." That's how God did it. All right, He's giving the flock. Uh, well, He's telling pastors to feed the flock of God that is among them. It's only that part. That is the part that the pastor should feed. The pastor is not responsible for feeding the entire flock. All right, no man can do that. All right, no man can ever try to do that. That'll be impossible. And that's why God divided it up like that and entrusted pastors uh, to this work. Folks, this is a massive responsibility. (laughs) And this is why God has to uniquely empower certain men through His Holy Spirit to be able to do this. That's why it is a gift. (laughs) Now, as I said earlier, for those of us that are not pastors, um, we need to know that we need to submit to our pastor, right? How are you doing with that? How's that going? You know, if I can use the imagery that that P3 uses here of the flock, you know, flock conjures up images of sheep and so on, right? And and this is basically how the Bible explains all of this. There's some rich things in there about that, which we don't have time for today. But um, are you eating what the under-shepherd is feeding you? Because that's how submission works, isn't it? right? stacking taking it in. The shepherd feeds the sheep and then it is up to the sheep to chew that feed, to swallow it and to make it part of their body, right? That's how it works. Now what do you think is going to happen if a shepherd tries to feed a sheep and the sheep is there, the sheep can see the feed, the sheep can smell the feed, the sheep can see, well, the feed is doing some great things for these other sheep, they're growing nice and fat, All right, they're going to be nice choppies one day, <laughs> all right. <laughs> That's the goal. That's the goal, let's be honest. <laughs> what do you think is going to happen if that sheep never takes a bite of that feed? The sheep is there when the feed is given, all right? But it never takes a single bite. That sheep's going to starve and die, right? Yet we have Christians that that show up to church, and they are there when the feed is given, all right? They can hear it. They can judge it to be good feed, okay? They can see how it is working in other Christians' lives, but they never take a bite themselves. Folks, how do you come to church? (laughs) That's my question to you. Now, I'm not talking about transport, okay? (laughs) That's that's your own issue. (laughs) you figure that out. We've got a bus, all right? We need that, but I'm talking about your attitude. How and why do you come to church, all right? Is it just to soothe your conscience, you know, thinking, well, at least I got that over with, okay, now I can go braai or whatever, or perhaps you're a little bit more serious about it than you. You realize it's a Christian's duty to be at church, and it is. It really is, all right? Uh, Maybe that's why, but you're just sort of, I just want to tick it off of the old to do list, you know, and get it done with for the week. Um, if that is so, then how are you ever taking in that feed? Are, are, are you ever submitting yourself to that feed? Are you di- digesting it? Because if you're just here to tick it off, I'm pretty sure you're not, you're not here to, to listen to anything or to take anything or, or to implement anything, right? Are you digesting it? Are you making it part of your life? Let me ask you this. Have you made any changes? You know, because of something that you've heard here? Any? Or are you simply satisfied with just seeing and smelling the feed, seeing how it's affecting other, other sheep? Are you satisfied with that? Folks, I tell you, that's not enough. It's not enough. As a sheep in the flock of God, you need to allow your pastor, that God has gifted to you, that's a blessing extended towards you, you need to allow him to feed you. And then you need to submit yourself to that. Instead of getting angry at the kind of feed that the shepherd is giving you that day, all right, (laughs) humble yourself. And maybe admit when you are the one that's wrong, and then make it right with God. That's the purpose here. Peter tells pastors to feed the flock of God, which is among you, verse 2, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly. So nobody should force the pastor to feed the flock, all right? Uh, you know, somebody that wants to feed the flock is going to do so much better of a job than somebody that needs to be forced to do that, you know, or somebody that, that just feeds the flock because feeding was on the job description, all right? Um, and it's like that with anything, really. I mean, think about your own workplace. Um, if you have somebody that, that really is willing to do something, he's going to do a much better job than the one that just, you know, is sort of forced to do it because, well, the boss said I should. Okay, I'll do it. <laughs> now, you will immediately see when a, when a pastor is willing, willingly shepherding the flock, all right? You can see that in the, in the way uh, that he's not busier with other things than feeding the flock alright? It's okay if he does other things, but if that becomes the main focus, mm, something's off, right? Then, then, then his, his passions are there and not with the flock. A good pastor would feed the flock, not because he is scared of losing his job, if he doesn't do that, but because he has that, that inner desire to do so, to, to feed the flock, Okay, so let's turn that around on us that are not pastors here today. Are you willing to submit to your pastor? And when you submit, are you doing it willingly? Now, keep in mind that uh, submission is not just something that you do when your pastor sees you. Okay? (laughs) Because that's easy, right? Well, as long as I'm at the church, I'm going to do this and this and that, all right? Because the pastor's going to see me and maybe he gives me a thumbs up or whatever. No. That, that, that's not when it is, you know. You know when submission happens, it, it happens when, when you're in a conversation and people are gossiping about the pastor and you silence them or you step away or whatever, something. You do something, right? Um, it happens when you, when you take what, whatever it is that you learn from him in a lesson, maybe in a sermon or in a private conversation or somewhere, you know, and you, and you take what you've learned there and you put that into action. That's submission right? Submission happens when you admit that you are wrong, as I've mentioned just now, right? Willingness is not something that that can come from the outside. If it has to come from the outside, well, that's forcing me then, (laughs) right? Then I'm not willing. Willingness is something that I need to stir up in my own heart, all right, and then make it work outward. That's how it works. And folks, let's face it, there will be times where it's going to be easier to submit And there will be times that it's going to be harder to submit. That's true, all right? Um, But just like a pastor, you need to stir up that willingness inside of you when you you feel your your passions wane a bit, right? You need to stir that up inside of you if you're not willing to submit. And if you're not willing to submit, it will show. (laughs) We'll see that, all right? Peter continues. He sees there... um, Where is that? In the middle of verse 2, not by constraint, but willingly. He says, not for filthy lucre, (laughs) but of a ready mind. Now, like most of these, this one is pretty straightforward, isn't it? Alright? A pastor should not be in the ministry for the money. Now, some pastors would actually laugh at that. <laughs> all right. okay. Some of them really don't get any money. But, but I think when we, when we read something like this, we tend to immediately jump to those images, you know, of those health and wealth, prosperity-type preachers, you know, with the private jets and the gold rings and all of these things. You know, that's, that's kind of where, where we are going. And that is definitely covered here. All right. that, that's covered in this verse, for sure. Um, it is clear that, that all of those men and women are just doing it so that they can rob people of the money that they have under the guise of Christianity and the promise of being healed or or, or being wealthy one day, whatever it might be. That's despicable. But, But I believe that we should look wider than that when it comes to this verse. Pastoring a part of the flock of God, folks, is not just another job that you can take up. It's not just another skill that you can learn. All right? And unfortunately, there are many pastors that only see it as a job. Um, they, they see it as a way to bring in money to pay the bills. all right? Um, now, I want to be clear about this. There's nothing wrong with a pastor earning money from the ministry. As a matter of fact, the Bible makes it clear there's nothing wrong. There's no shame in that at all, all right? It, it's actually expected for the church to provide for the pastor so that he can make a living. All right so Let's just get that out of the way. That's not the point. The point here is that money should not be the motivating factor. Alright? When money becomes the pastor's motivation, the danger then becomes that they will say and they will allow things in the church that will keep the most money rolling in. <laughs> right? Now you're doing it for filthy lucre. That's, that's what that is. You're, you're perversing the office of pastor. And... Or abusing, rather, that that was the wrong word. And I I believe that that is one of the major reasons why we have so much craziness and so many false teachings going around in, in the churches today. All right, it's because pastors would rather soften the sharp edges of the word, or maybe let's hide the word, the sword of the word entirely behind our backs, right? Just to do whatever we can to fill every seat, all right, or to, or to. Just keep the largest donors in the church. I don't want to upset them. All right? That's why this is happening. That's doing it for filthy lucre. But instead, Peter says here that pastors should feed the flock with a ready mind. A ready mind. A good pastor will be looking for opportunities to feed the flock. Alright? He's always going to be ready for that, even though it may cost him. Paul said there in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 15... I will very gladly spend and be spent for you. Folks, that's a good pastor. That's the attitude of a good pastor. Let's go to verse 3. Peter continues saying, Neither as being lords over God's heritage. You know, pastors should not be sinfully dominating over people and over circumstances in, in, in the church or anywhere John tells us about a man like that. Let's turn to Third John. Third John is just a few books to the right. Third John. It's only one chapter. Let's get verse nine. Okay. You got it? All right. 3 John. 3 John, verse 9. I wrote unto the church, but Diotrephes, who loveth to have the preeminence among them, receiveth us not. He loved the preeminence. What does that mean? He loved to be the boss. He just wanted to be the boss, right? He wants to order people around. He, he wants to be the guy in front, all right? The, the guy with his name in lights, you know, he's, he's kind of that pastor, apostle, doctor, you know, <laughs> prophet type guy that you see on the billboards. That's, that's Diotrephes, all right? Verse 9. Wherefore, if I come... I will remember his deeds, which he doeth. That's a warning, okay, from John. Prating against us with malicious words. Prating is speaking, all right? Afrikaans people will get that, all right? Prating against us with with malicious words, and not content therewith. Okay, so he's going even further. Neither doth he himself receive the brethren, and forbiddeth them that would, and casteth, casteth them out of the church. You see what's going on here? So some of the church members, they said, well, we love the brethren, all right? And John has ri- written about that as well, you know, if, uh, you know that you're a child of God if you love the brethren, all right? And, and so they want to receive them, they want to host them, or whatever it may be, and um, Diotrephes is not as hospitable in that way. He wouldn't receive them, and if you dare receive them, I'm chasing you out of the church. Yes. You're done, all right? That, that, that's what this man did, all right? That's an example of a bad pastor. He's abusing his role as pastor. All right, you can come back to first uh, Peter 5, but we can think about that example that Jesus set for us. We read in Matthew 20, I'll read it to you, um, where Jesus said, um, whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Doesn't Philippians tell us that Jesus came in the form of a what? A servant. a servant, right? As a servant. He continued, he says, Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. There's your example of a great pastor. That's the chief shepherd. That's what he does. He's a servant. <laughs> all right. He came to minister. All right? Now that ties in with the second half of verse 3, here in chapter 5, uh, where Peter writes that pastors should be in samples of the flock, to the flock. I, I'm not sure if I pronounced that correctly, but it's an exam, example. All right? You can put an X there where the N is. All right? But Paul told Timothy, all right, Timothy was a young pastor. Paul wrote to him to give him some advice. In 1 Timothy 4 verse 12, he said, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers. And he, okay, now... This is how he should be an example. You find that in this verse. In word, all right? So the things you say. In conversation, the way you live. (laughs) In charity, the way you love. In spirit, in faith, in purity. Timothy, you should be an example like that, all right? Pastors, according to Peter, should be an example like that. that. That covers every part of life, folks. Every single part. A believer needs to be able to look at his pastor and use him as an example of how to follow Christ and how to grow in the faith, how to, how to do this Christian life, and you know, how to go through it. Paul told the Corinthians in 1 uh, Corinthians 11 and verse 1, Be ye followers of me, even as I am of Christ. So Paul is here, he's, he's heading the line, and he's following Christ now we come after. Now that's that's how the pastor should be. The pastor is there in the front. He's following Christ. Okay, let's follow. As long as this pastor is following Christ, I'm following him. I'm doing what he does, you know. And I'm learning from him. Alright? That's the point here. We can look at our pastor and how he follows Christ. Use that as an example um, to do that. The pastor should always endeavor to set a good example to the flock. Always. But then turning it around, we need to follow that example, shouldn't we? Right? What good is an example if you don't use it? (laughs) All right? And folks, that doesn't mean that you need to stand up here and preach every Sunday like the pastor does, okay? That's not what it means, okay? What it is, is that you can, for instance, take a look at how the pastor prays and use that as an example. Follow that example. Lord, I don't know how to pray. Well, spend some time with your pastor and learn how to pray. Spend time with your pastor when he's, when he's preaching the gospel to people. Learn how to preach the gospel like he does. Start that way. Use that as an example. Um, ask him how he reads his Bible, you know, and then use that as an example of how you can do it as well and how you can learn the Bible for yourself. How about taking a look at how your pastor goes through hardships and then do the same when it is your turn to go through a tough time? But folks, use him. Use him as an example. Now, I I have tried (laughs) not to specifically um, address our pastor in this lesson, but folks, you can use this man as an example of how to follow Christ. Now, let's finish off there in verse 4. Peter gives a great piece of encouragement to pastors here in verse 4. He says, And when the chief shepherd shall appear... You shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. (laughs) That's a special reward that the Lord will give to those faithful pastors at the judgment seat of Christ. Folks, that just goes to show us again how precious these men are to the Lord, right? If he has a special reward for them. Now, every sheep in God's flock is special to him, all right? Don't don't misunderstand me here, but he's got a special place in his heart for pastors, for faithful pastors. And so Peter encourages pastors to continue to faithfully feed that part of the flock that the chief shepherd has made them overseers of. Because they can know that there is a reward for that. They can look forward towards that reward. Earlier um, in this epistle, I believe it was chapter 2, we also read read about how all of us can look forward to that eternal reward, right? Um, And use that as a motivation to keep on running this race. Now, that's the same year for pastors. They can use that as a reward. And I I think more than that, you know, um, if the Lord gives you a reward, doesn't that mean that the Lord then is pleased with you? So that's a reward in and of itself. I think that's a much better reward, actually. <laughs> All right? To know that you are pleasing the Lord. And, and that's the encouragement He's giving to pastors here, that the Lord is going to give them a crown. It's not going to be like any earthly crown you find here on earth, you know, that rusts or gets lost or stolen or breaks or whatever. You know, your child bumps it off the table and it breaks. That happens. Um, <laughs> this, this crown does never fades away. Now, folks... Shepherding the flock is a serious responsibility. Incredibly serious. And all pastors will be held accountable to God for how they do that. Every single one of them. Alright? It's a big job, but it has a big reward for faithfulness at the end. Okay? That's what he's getting at here. Keeping that big job in mind and that big responsibility, how about... You keep on thinking about that and praying for your pastor, (laughs) right? He needs help. He's a man like us. He's got supernatural help, but let's help him on with some some prayer. The rest of us that that may or may not ever be pastors, you know, um, we will also be held accountable at the judgment seat of Christ of how we submitted to our pastor, all right? Because that's the command coming towards us: submit to your pastor. Well, how did you do that? The Lord told us that. Unto whomsoever much is given, of him much shall be required. Much. Let's be faithful, folks. (laughs) Let's be faithful with what the Lord has given to us, gifted to us. Let's pray. Lord, we want to thank you today um, for giving us your word. We thank you for your spirit, Lord, that that lights up this word for us and explains it to us. Lord, we thank you for all this all these precious gifts that you 've given us in in Christ. Lord, we thank you for our pastor that you 've given us a good good pastor uh, so lord i I just want to pray on, on all of our behalf today and ask that you will please help us with taking the feed, <laughs> making it part of us and so that we can grow up to be uh, more, changed more into the image of Christ. We ask that you will please bless this man Lord and help him with all of the challenges of the ministry and and whatever else life can throw his way. Lord we thank you so much that you are always so good and faithful to us. Amen.